0: Log Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go with the main event of the evening, ladies and gentlemen in attendance, Boxing fans joining us around the world. It's time for the Battle you've been waiting for. Finally, it is showtime. Hey, man, we, we dedicate our lives to this sport. We give, we.
1: Thousands of up in camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the ones to take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tape. We, 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 you know, we have attitude, we mooding, and we go that bike to land on the, to land on the line. I'm your host, Chris Carlson. We are live on a Wednesday late afternoon. Okay, it's 6 o'clock Central. It's nighttime. Anyway, I hope everybody's doing okay. We have some items to discuss, like Kel Brook's stoppage of Amir Khan. Yes, you know, they fought too far along in their careers. That was a weird way to put it. They, They weren't prime for prime, but you know what? They had a packed stadium. Uh, during the week, they had a lot of build-up. It was a fun environment, let's put it that way. Now, the undercard, not so much, right? But a uh, big win for Kelbrook, Brook, you know, more of a rivalry-type thing, obviously, but uh, it was actually exciting. It was an actually kind of an exciting fight, not that two-way, but Kelbrook Brook did get it done, and now what's next? I mean, right off the bat, people were saying Eubank Jr., so it was Eubank, Right. Back of my head, thinking, well, "What about Connor Ben? I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Connor Ben, and then on IFL TV, Eddie Hearn came out and he's in favor of it. Now I know what you're going to say, some folks out there, you know, Con's past his prime, and it's just another guy that Connor Ben's going to beat, who's faded, like El and some other guys he's you know faced on the way up, but." That's the nature of the beast, you know, and I may have some things to say about Eddie Hearn at times, um, like I do every promoter, promotional outfit or however you want to put it, but this makes a lot of sense, you know, it just does, it just does, it's a big fight in the UK, there's no denying that, it does a really nice gait, I don't know if that would be pay-per-view to zone, but if they could somehow keep it off there, that would be a huge fight for them, just for their subs. But I'm not sure if that would be the case. But that's a that's a big fight in a, and still where Connor's been anyway, a, a step up. Like it or not, it's a step up. And you know the youth eat the old. You know that sounded really weird too. But yeah, you know how like you know lions eat their young. It, it, it goes the opposite way and this is how boxing is. I mean, this is, let's not act like this would be uh Marciano and, and Joe Lewis. You know what I mean? Let, let's not act like it would be uh Larry Holmes and Muhammad Ali, right? This would be, it'd actually be a good fight for a little bit. I mean, even, you know, Kel Brook did pretty good against Crawford till he got stopped. Right. So, I would be in favor of that fight. Now, I guess you could say the potential dark horse might be Josh Taylor. Kell Josh Taylor. I guess that could be out there as well, if you want to keep it on the sky stuff. Anyway, we'll talk about a variety of stuff, um, including Munguia's um, Munguia. He got a, a knockout. It wasn't something to be all pumped about, but you know, we have discussed many a times now that we have seen improvement, you know, uh, with him. And, but it's time to step up. It's time to step up. There is a little bit of news when it comes to his potential next fight. We'll see what happens. Uh, that prospect Zapata looked okay. Linares was back in action. He lost to Abduliev. I think it is, Abdulliev. Uh, we'll talk about the showbox card a little bit as well. And then this weekend, Colbert and Josh Taylor return as does Lawrence and Kogi against uh, Sizak or something like that but the fight I'm really I mean it, it, the opener for the showtime triple header could be entertaining but Victor Postal against Gary Antoine Russell is the fight that I'm most looking forward to this weekend on paper of course like I said I, I believe a a is is um Facing a top 10 cruiserweight So you never know he could get A little test out of that who knows It's a decent fight I think Um, But the Russell is such A step up yeah Victor Postol Is older we get that for sure But He's usually neck and neck With whoever he's in the ring with Besides who Terrence Crawford. That's about it I mean Ramirez You know Jose Ramirez that was a tight ass Fight I mean, he was very competitive with Josh Taylor. Uh, speaking of, but yeah, that that's something I'm really looking forward to. But we'll preview the schedule, and then there is some news out there. Dillian White finally signs, um, you know, the contract, so we get got a uh, we got ourselves a fight. What is it, April 23rd? ESPN pay-per-view in the states, and then it is going to be in Wembley Stadium. So that's cool that they the UK fans. Uh, Got a big stadium fight to go to, and we'll see what happens with uh, AJ and um, and Usyk. I mean, I don't know if it's the highest bidder thing, which it kind of sounds like Eddie may not have it, you know, in the UK. But we'll see, you know, where that ends up. And then, of course, some current fight news out there. Um, Luda Bella actually uh, has a partnership with Pro Bellum. Um, one of the many new signings, and uh, although this is a partnership, they say. Um, and, of course, you know, many people speculate about the alleged ties for Pro Bellum um, as far as money laundering. And like I say, it's alleged at this point, but um, kind of an interesting par- partnership there. I guess it makes sense for DeBella, but in the same breath, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So, yes, current fight news, of course, we usually end with the boxing Twitter segment, Um, you know, reading the tweet of the week, some fanboy stuff that kind of makes you chuckle. And then some media members once in a while we get after those folks as well, you know, behaving like fanboys on Twitter, uh, but then calling people fanboys. You know how that works anyway. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dope Radio Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk at rope and Ropa Dope and download the show directly there. If you don't want to, you can find this here um,
0: platform on a
1: variety of, you know, areas here. The Ropa Dope Radio po- Podcast is available on Apple Podcast, IR Radio, Player FM, tune in. Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music, also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to com? And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have and you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as 69.99 a month. Um, It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, so that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fees. And boxing fans, this might interest you twofold. If you go up to the Premiere Package, so that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. Showtime is $11. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So, um, we gotta, we're gotta we going to start with re- Cap like we normally do I see uh, Some folks just popped in a couple couple Numbers right off the bat Which is normally not the case uh, That I don't know Um, So if you want to press one and join in Cool if you're just listening that's cool too Um, Maybe you're doing a drive-by You know what I mean And you you, want to debate Or maybe you just want to Who knows I don't know But yeah go ahead and press one if you want to join in um, so yeah, right off the bat con Brooke. And like I said, you know, I wrote a prediction blog like I do for the grueling truth and the uh, East Side boxing and whatnot saying basically, you know, don't like, don't cry over spilt milk basically, you know, like there's no point, like we get it. it, it we could, you know, we did complain years ago for this fight, not happening, but you know, when it was made, I wasn't, like, overly excited, I have to admit. It was like, okay, they're finally fighting at this point, whatever. But once you get to fight week, once you watch uh, the gloves are off, um, which I haven't seen the Taylor one just yet, and I heard it's pretty funny, so I'm going to check that out later tonight, I think. But, and those are always usually pretty good. But once you get in to a variety of the hype, You know, there's no point in crying about it now. There's no point in arguing about it now. It's happening, right? It was happening. And, you know, boxing fan, I already have ESPN Plus, so it was just on there. I didn't have to pay. I wouldn't have paid pay-per-view for it, let's put it that way. But clearly both of them passed their prime. But once you're here, it is what it is. And there was some excitement, um, I thought, for sure especially when we got really close up to it. And then when you see, you know, a jam-packed arena, you know what I mean? I knew the ticket, you know, the tickets sold really well and sold out really early and whatnot or whatever. I knew that, of course. But there is something that a, a, a hype crowd does to the environment, obviously, right? It just, it just, I don't know, it piques your interest, it gets you more excited, it just, whatever. Even if you don't like some of the ring walks, Um, which I'm not saying that's the case here. I like them, but you know, some of some of them are just goofy Some take too long, whatever But once that starts to take place and I didn't watch it live But I didn't know who won going into it uh, late night, you know, so Once you see the crowd though shouts out to the UK fans, it was like, all right, dude, I'm I'm actually excited for this now I'm pumped the old Stuff away and say, you know what? This is what we get boxing has a weird way with some fights that just never happen right or they happen way too late like this one but i don't know i i i liked it though i gotta admit it was it was more exciting than i thought it would be um it didn't play out exactly how i thought it would i mean whether that's prime for prime or even now i did think amir khan would have pretty much a fair amount of success until he got stopped maybe um you know just in general but going into it i was blind i actually picked con to win by decision i really didn't know i just did i, I had to admit i didn't i i did you know put some i i thought the best way to do it was uh con by decision and and brook by ko so i did win a little money there but i have to admit i was really blind going into this i i just didn't know man i, I knew that at least kel had fought you know, in 2020, but I just, I gotta admit, I just, I just didn't know. So yes, I did pick Khan, but, um, and this is no excuse, but right off the bat, and this is before he got hit with that, um, late right hand when he stiffened up (laughs) Khan's legs, but Khan just, his legs didn't look good. They looked stiff. He didn't look as mobile as he normally is. Um, he just looked flat. I think overall he looked flat. That that's what it looked like to me. Um, but Burke got the job done regardless. You know, he came out, and stumbled him really
0: kind of early.
1: Actually, it was I think it was a left hander early that stumbled him, and then late, then he stiffened up the legs even more. Um, you know, Connor was just jabbing mostly. Um, and he was moving you know, a fair amount. Now, I thought Khan did pretty good in the second one. He landed some good left hands along with that jab. There was a late right hand um, in the second that could have taken the round for Brook, but uh, past that, there really wasn't much more, you know. Um, and Brooke was, you know, letting off shots, flurries, just overall landed better shots. And once he had him multiple times hurt, uh, Amir Khan, he just kept coming and pushing and pushing and pushing, and he ended up stopping. TKO. Khan was giving the old "I'm not hurt," not not like when it got stopped, but before it, shaking his head. But you could tell he was he was hurt, and before he even got hit hard, his leg, he just didn't look good. Is he looked flat? Like I said, really really flat. Um, but overall, it is what it is. You know. uh, Kell Brook got the – you know, these are – this is the rivalry stuff that's going to – they talked about it in the lead-up how this is a huge fight. And, you know, they they talked about how they can't show their face, you know, where they live if they lose. I don't think it's that intense. But maybe it is right now, but I'm saying overall. You know what I mean? Um, and credit to Khan, you know, for – that's what I'm saying with these fights against – with their Prime guys, both. You just never know what you're going to get. And sometimes it's just ugly and slow and or you just get a guy like checked out here for the paycheck and and I don't really think you could describe combat. Now maybe you know they they want to get paid, right? But and they did, but like he kept fighting. he kept fighting and uh so I give him credit, but yeah, Kelbrook got the job done. And uh, he's got to be feeling pretty good. I talked about that Eddie Hearn um, IFL TV interview where he was talking about his guy, Connor Ben. And he was also, Eddie was talking about a conversation he had with Kell Brook. And he always said it was just, it was just nice to see him like happy, you know, and uh, just all smiles and stuff like that. So it is a big win in many ways, you know, resume wise, you know, if you look at it, you know, 20 30 years from now it's still a name on your resume right but it's i think it means somewhat a lot because and like i said not just on a personal level but they were both past their prime too so i think people will remember some of that but uh yeah who's next like i said chris eubank jr came out and was like let's get it on he'd have to go up i don't know if there'd be a catch weight or would have to go up to 160 i assume i mean I don't think Eubank Jr. can go below 160 considering he's fought at 68 before. Um, like I said, the dark ho- dark horse, and, and some people, actually, I just got a message saying you're crazy. Josh Taylor's not going to fight Kell Brook. And I hear you. I hear you. But if they're looking for pay-per-views uh, Sky Sports box office. So they think Kell Brook and Eubank Jr. could sell. Okay. But you can't tell me Josh Taylor wouldn't sell. You know, um, And I know he's with B, he's a BT, right? Wait a second. Top rank, is he still, hold on. I might be tripping there. I might be tripping. I can't remember if he's with. Anyway, either way, um, that's why I call it a dark horse. I'm not saying that's the number one option. I'm not saying it's the second option, but I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out because if it's going to help Connor Ben popularity wise or whatever, it's not going to hurt Taylor popularity wise. And I mean, if Con and, you know, Brooke brought out a crowd, wouldn't Josh Taylor and Brooke bring out a crowd? I mean, I think it would. Anyway, I'm not saying that, Oh, I can't wait for that fight. I'm just saying, but it does make sense. The Connor Ben probably makes the most sense. Um, now, you could make an argument that may, I don't know, I mean, it's still an interesting test for Conor Beck, because Brook is skillful still, like I said, even in a fight that he didn't look like he wanted to be there once he got hit against Crawford, he still had some really good rounds, I think I gave him the first two rounds, if I remember correctly. I don't remember what happened in the third, if I gave him that round, or if he got, that was maybe one of the... In that fight, did he get hit really hard? And that's what stole the round for Crawford in the third? I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure I gave him the opening rounds, like two rounds or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, I really think that that Conor, Ben, I don't know financially if if maybe Sky will, you know, give more money to fight Eubank Jr. And that will be the difference, you know? I don't know. But I think any of those three would work for a pay-per-view. And it's a big... All three of those are nice, healthy paydays for Kell Brook at this point. So, you know, shots out to Kell Brook in a mere calm, Uh But Kell Brook got the, got the dub and uh, got the bragging rights, right? Because that's ultimately what this fight was obviously about, right? Um, like I said, the other card, you know, that was pretty bad, the other card. I mean, not uh I mean, you had, what would you have, like, uh, was Nat- Natasha Jonas on there? Right, Jonas, Jonas? I remember the, I think it was like midway through the first round, she scored a, a nice combination knockdown. I think it was a left-right. And then I think it was a big left hand in the second round. That was a pretty basic fight to get through. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there there was, you know, there was a little bit more action than than i'm saying but it, you know there just wasn't it just wasn't much to it if we're being honest i mean there was that bronze medalist i believe was that the card that he was on um it was just quick knockouts basically i mean that that's that's basically what it came down to It's just quick ass knock knockdowns knockouts not much to uh, not much to write home about um and actually, here's what, Eddie, I do have some quotes from Eddie Hearn. You know, this is on the Zone Boxing Show. Kell Brook versus uh, Conor Benn is a brilliant fright, fight. I said to Kell Brook last night, why would you even think about fighting Humane Jr. middleweight when you can have a huge fight at welterweight? And, you know, I think that actually does kind of line up with some of that stuff. I, I think that's fair. What was it, uh, Fraser Clark? A bronze medalist, he, he had a, a, I mean, I think it was Jake Darnell or something. I mean, it, it was quick first rounder, you know, not not much there. So, he got, you know, I think Vidal Riley and uh, Brown, uh, they won easy. Uh, Bradley Rhea or something like that, he, he won. It, it was easy. You know, it was an easy night. There wasn't much to it. The undercard sucked. Obviously, you could tell that a lot of the money was invested in the main event, and we've seen that with... It wasn't pay-per-view here, but was pay-per-view in the UK, and we've seen that with pay-per-views no matter what. If, it, if, it, if the main event is somewhat spendy, then you're probably not going to get a good undercard. So, like I said, not much uh, to write home about on that front. That's for sure. It, it, the fight did suck like that. Um, on to the disowned car, Munguia, who, in Ballard, who looked really, like, bad, badly drained at the weigh-in. I mean, he looked, he didn't faint, but he was, like, knocking on the doorstep of faint. Like, he was right there on the doorstep of fainting. He looked like shit. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, he's been at 160 for a little bit. I know he had a bunch of problems making 154 previously, but, you know, was it a bad camp? Did something go wrong? I don't know, but he can't be looking like that at 160 too many more times and and expect to, now obviously he didn't have much in front of him in the way of danger, but in this fight, but if he does step up like they say he's going to, well, you know what I mean, to me, I don't know i i i'm not sure about that and I, I i just don't know about that um, you know he 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 did just you know toyed with him landed the body in combination body and head really just landed the better overall shots, you know in the first second round, ballard had like very very minor success um some decent defense by Munguia again. We're starting to see more of that when he's really up close in the pocket and able to uh, you know, defend himself to an extent anyway. Um, the lead left hands. he, he scored really good uppercuts as well, especially in that third. I think it was a huge left hand that kind of froze Ballard. Um, and then it was like, you know, I think that was the knockdown, then there was flurries, and it was TKO. It was over in the third round. So, there wasn't much, you know, to, to write home about with that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm up. And actually, Oscar De La Hoya said in this fight, in some recent fights, but especially this fight now, he knows he's ready to step up his fighter. That That's basically what he was saying in an interview. Um, you know, so it's like, okay, so you know it, you know what I mean? So let's, let's, let's make sure we do that. You know what I mean? That that he has to do it because at some point, you know, this shiny unbeaten record, we talk about fighters, you know, in really management and promoters, you know, trying to steer a career and not have them lose until they make the most money out of them or they, they take on the biggest fight, right? To, to take that first L that exists, obviously, of course, but I think this type of stuff in the Gilberto Ramirez and stuff like that, this stuff can actually be more damaging. Now, I don't – you know, I put those guys in the same sentence. Clearly, uh, Munguia is much younger. I mean, he's still really, really young, whereas Gilberto is like, all right, dude, you got to step up even more. And don't get me wrong, he, he's fought some decent fights and whatnot, but as far as like a real, real challenge where it's like a 50-50 fight, you know, and, and 160 – as far as we know anyway, barring whatever happened at the weigh-in this time, Munguia has looked better than he did at 54. I mean, a lot of people thought Hogan outboxed him, and if you didn't think Hogan won, that's cool, but, you know, Munguia sure didn't win by much. Um, Now, what is it, Janabek? Janabek, I think it is. Um, The WBO... And that's the guy who was uh, supposed to, well, the WBO had called that fight for him and Demetrius Andre. Now, Andre's going up to 68, um, but now it's been ordered by the WBO that fight. And uh, so, basically, they have 10 days. um, The parties are granted 10 days to reach an agreement. The first bid hearing will be called if a deal is not reached by March fourth so you know they definitely got to get going on that but you know I don't know I mean if you don't fight this guy okay well who else you fight you know are you gonna fight somebody kind of you know better not bigger per se but just better it's time to step them up and I get it I mean a lot of people kind of go over the top with this stuff sometimes but then they also tell you how I would steer a career type stuff. Like they, they put themselves in the footsteps or in the shoes, right, of, uh, of a manager or promoter or a matchmaker in general. And you got to admit, like if he's getting outboxed at 54 at the time and getting hit a lot more than he does now, you're probably not going to step him all the way up. So some guys, everyone has a different path of how they're developed. And some guys really needed it. And probably really needed this. Wilder definitely needed it. I mean, so did Chavez Jr. You know, Wilder – I mean, when you see Wilder early, it it didn't look good. It was like, wow, yeah, this guy's raw as shit. You could tell he hadn't been boxing long. And so that's why I I try to keep that in mind overall, but especially with the guy – like Munguia, who's so young still, but now you're you have so many fights, you have some experience, you have faced some pretty solid fighters, nothing like top level, but solid, and some of them were a little faded, but that, like I said, that's part of just so, like we we're talking about Conor Ben, that's part of boxing. You know, you you, you you get in there with vets, they try to take your rounds, and you try to learn something out of it. But if he has too many more of these fights, like I was saying. Then the learning in the ring which is usually the most important sure it's great to work on your craft and, and try to stay active when you're waiting for your next fight no doubt of course that's something you got to do your whole career but there's nothing like learning you know in the ring and at some point it starts to become a negative and you start to have these bad habits false confidence and I'm not saying it's spoken mirrors, but you got you got to step them up. And like I said, Oscar De La Hoya at the presser for uh, for Ortiz, Virgil Ortiz Jr. at the you know they had a, a presser for his fight, and they did some media, and Oscar did say that I'm, we're ready. So this would be a good place to start because you do get you know a chance to win a belt or an interim belt, which could you, lead you to become a mandatory or you know, from the sounds of it, I don't I don't think Andre's going to come down now. If he looked like crap or obviously lost or whatever, he'd probably come back to 160. But, yeah, if he was like – if he just snuck stuck by Zach Parker or whatever that guy's name is, then maybe he'd come back down. But more than likely, they'll, they'll give him like – once you win, they'll probably give him like 10 days, 30 days or something like that to decide. Like, hey, you going to drop the 160 belt or not? And so that would either turn into a Foley or they'd be, you know, he'd be banded, mandated to, to to fight somebody else, you know. You know, and he is with Golden Boy too, so there is a chance where they would just say, hey, this they, this guy's in the tops or whatever in your rankings. Can we fight him? And maybe it'd be a better fight. Who knows? So, but it is time to step him up. Long story short. Now, William Zapata um, took on v- v- videz, I think it was Vides. Um this this opening round was crazy. Like if you're an official judge, you have the the 10 point must system, right? Where you have to at least have a 10 someplace, so it would probably be 10 8, but you could make an argument, you know, just straight up it's a it's a 9 to 7 round. Um because you know, you, you had a point deduction, you had you know, guys getting dropped. Pepata first of all landed a nice left hand uh, and scored a knockdown, um, and then he landed several heavy shots after that. But then uh, Bide or By, was it By, Bydez? He uh, he landed a left hand with like maybe like a minute left of that opening round, knocked him down. But then there was a two point deduction so it was like and basically it was like a push down it was after he hit the deck um so it was a, it was a weird weird first round you know cuz like i said somebody won the round who do you think won the round and then there's a point deduction two knockdowns so just a mess of a round obviously um there was a there was a knockdown early what was it um the there was like a it looked like kind of a slip. It, but Zabata started landing really well to the body, in the head, scored a second knockdown. There was a late blow there, though. But that second knockdown ultimately was it. He did knock him out. TKO, at least. Well, KO, because he didn't get up. So it was a KO victory. There, Like I said, there was kind of a late, not kind of. There was a late blow there that was like, whoa, you. you get in trouble for that one and he, he kind of just sat there at the end of it like i'm good we're good the fight's over right um so he did get dropped it wasn't like he was really really hurt um but zapata you know 135 is is you know pretty stacked now um it's 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 getting deeper by the day or by the events maybe you could say or, or by the month so Zapata's part of that up-and-coming contender range, and, and so let's see where they, they move them next. Um, what else was that? Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, we had uh, Abduleev in Linares, which actually I thought Linares was winning that fight. Um, you know, it was a close fight. I thought has won the first two rounds just off his jab and, and some nice right hands. Third round was really close. I did give it to Abdulov, or the fourth round was closer. Um, left hand to the bodies were pretty big. Um, I gave the fifth round to Abdulov. His left hand body is—I I don't think I straightened that out. Fourth round was close. Fifth round, the left-hands of the body probably did it and just solid shots. I thought Linares won a very close round because he closed stronger in the sixth. Gave him the seventh as well. Looping overhand, really nice looping overhand right now that I think about it. Abdulia better shots in the eighth and ninth. Um, and he started tagging him, you know, with some really good flush shots uh, come the eighth and ninth round. Abdullah
0: did. He really did.
1: I did think um, Linares probably won the 10th. It was really close, but he kind of bounced back from two, two kind of bad rounds, I guess you could say. Um, the 11th round, I had Abdulia winning. He, he just landed the better shots. And then I did end up seeing the TKO stoppage, like on the highlight. Even on the archive stream, because I didn't watch this, even on the archive stream, they didn't show the 12th round like what like, it just makes no sense you know it makes no sense at all I just couldn't I couldn't fathom it it just I don't know what the hell happened I know that sometimes there's errors or whatever or, or somebody messed up or but it does seem like these uh, some of these streams especially from a different country just like it's one thing not to have like, they didn't – they randomly didn't have sound during the rounds, and they had this guy, person who was doing – it's like a one-man team for a good chunk. Maybe someone joined them. I did actually just be like, ah, I'll just listen to something else while I'm watching this. I didn't really need to hear what that guy was saying much, to be honest. But it was just kind of weird. It was like – like I said, it's one thing to, like, have dead time during fights, right, or during – between fights, you know, they'll just go to that screen and they'll advertise – it's kind of funny because you see all these, This, I guess it is kind of an ad because they're, you know, it's for ESPN+. Plus. It is kind of funky when you're watching ESPN+, Plus and they, they're having ads for ESPN+. Plus. Like, we get it. But then again, they did uh, advertise, like, documentaries and stuff like that. So they want you to be like, hey, check this out. So I get that part, but it's just wild to me that, and it's happened before tap it onto zone as well oh, but it, it, it's just wild it's like i it, it just cut off completely you know and i think earlier on that card if i'm not mistaken they uh they didn't even announce the winner or something like that i didn't see that one but i'm pretty sure they didn't announce the winner of somebody or they announced it, but it just he just didn't know who won <laughs> It was like what but yeah, I'm watching the replay, and I and I kind of remembered seeing people on Twitter talking about this fight at the end, like, "What the hell was that?" But I had already seen, like, the finish on on Twitter. Someone just posted the uh, the last little part, so I'd seen the finish. But yeah, that was funky. It was just like, "Oh, okay, so that's that's it, huh?" <laughs> like that's how we're that's how we're gonna do it. It, it just uh, we're, we're we're done. And I think, who was on boxing Twitter saying some funny shit about it or just like, what the hell's going on? Um, can't remember who it was now. I think it was Idick. But it was just it was a weird freaking thing. I just never understood what the hell was going on there. Just... Oh, here we go. For ESPN Plus's next trick this morning, came back Oh, yeah, came back from a commercial after the decision was announced in what was a close junior welterweight fight. I get ESPN doesn't care all that much about boxing, but how about a little quality control? And That's where it was. It was like, I know this stuff can happen. It is what it is, but it's like, damn, dude, like, that sucks. Especially if you're watching in the morning and then, you know, you're just like, I don't know, man. It, it was just fun. It just kind of sucks. You know, we, we do buy these apps, and we are not a ton of people are watching it at that time. And you know, we're, we're helping your archives out and shit. And then you can't even you don't even show the twelfth round. Like the the shit, it didn't come back from a commercial on the archive. It's in the eleventh round of the main event, and then it's over. Because I kept pausing it, looking at, it, well, how much time's left on this, you know, archive stream here? Looking at it, looking at, it, I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna make it to the 12th round. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, and it stopped in the, and I just missed the stoppage in the 11th, but I'm pretty sure it was the 12th round. But I didn't see the stoppage uh, on that archive. It was just like, what the, what's going on here? This is weak. Um, but anyway, you know, like I said, it happened. But it does sound like it happened multiple times on that one. So that's that's where it's
0: frustrating, I guess, right?
1: Um, Oh, yeah, then the Showbox, Kroll and Marquise. Paul Kroll and Marquise Taylor. And Taylor, um, I don't really throw around the word robbery a whole lot. And it was a draw, so that's better than, you know, having that, that L, right? But I thought he won pretty. Nine to one. I mean, I guess you could you could stretch it and go seven to three if you want. I don't really want to do that. So I gave Kroll the first round. Um, like I said, could you have given a second round in there? Sure. Like I said, even if you really go a whole way to you know bend over backwards to give Kroll another round, can you give him more than three? I don't. I I I don't see that. Um. I mean, I remember a nice left hook that he landed, like, that's what kind of, maybe he won the second round off that, I don't know, um, but you could see by the fourth and fifth round, you could see Kroll was wearing down some, and Taylor just got stronger, and he was moving nicely, he was also attacking, he'd get on the inside with some activity, land really good left hooks, that was the, probably the key punch, is the left hook, now, Kroll did attack the body. That's about all he did. In fact, he did outland him to the body forty-two to nineteen, but overall one hundred nine to eighty-four uh, in favor of Taylor. And then he outthrew him by over a hundred punches to four forty to three twenty-two on a ten-round fight. So or an eight-round fight, my bad. Um, so yeah, seventy-seven, seventy-five for Kroll, which is nuts. Eighty to seventy-two for Taylor which is right there. And then 76, I know, 76, 76, I mean, come on, dude. Like really? That was, that's a robbery. I'd have to say, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of that. This was an eight round fight too. I'm all talking about eight and two and shit like that. Aren't I? <laughs> I just forgot about. Yeah. Fight. So I had it six to two. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I did have it 6-2. Could you do 5-3? to three? You know, 5-3 to three makes it sound really pretty close rather than 7-3. to three. So I would probably say either 5-1 – wait, wait, not 5-1. 7-1 one, one, or 8 – yeah, 7-1 or 6-2. I forgot this is an eight-rounder. I don't think Paul was. Okay, on to the main event, because something happened to the – it was just a double, which is normally not the case. Usually it's at least a triple header uh, for Showtime, normal Showtime or Showbox. But um, uh, Ortiz and Albright. What is it, Jermaine? Jermaine, I think it is, against Nahir Albright. Um, The first – Probably four rounds, maybe five were were pretty much all Ortiz. Ortiz coming off that good fight with uh, Adorno or whatever. Um, He was bringing pressure, landed the better shots. Albright did land a late left hook in that first round. But overall, just more pressure, landed good jabs, nice jabs, and left hook for sure, Ortiz was. Um... So, yeah, I think I gave him the first four rounds, if not five rounds. Uh, just landed with nice left hooks and pressure and jab and whatnot. But then I did think Albright turned the table a little bit anyway. Um, like in the sixth round, he landed a, a really nice uppercut. He was also jabbing really well. A couple of them, I remember, kind of pushed him back. Six and seven, you could say that, for Albright. And, and then you could kind of see Ortiz moving. A little bit more and, and like especially like in the 12th round or 10th round he definitely just kind of gave that round away um, the ninth was a really good round two-way round good exchanges I kind of gave it to Albright there a little bit uh, a late right hand in the uh, eighth round in left hooks I, I think that Ortiz won that eighth round too but um so the scorecards had it 98-92, and two of them had 97-93. So you know seven to three. Some people had it eight to two. I could see eight to two, seven to three, six to four would be tops. But overall, I thought Ortiz won it fairly cleanly, uh, especially the first four to five rounds. And then all you at that point really need to do is win one more, right? And he at least did that. So um, he moves on, and so do we. That's sums it up for Showbox, because, yeah, like I said, there wasn't a, a third fight. Um, okay, Ooh, getting some really interesting messages. If anybody that's messaging me right now is on, because there are still the same folks. What's up, by the way, if this is your first time in here? I just not, I haven't seen those uh, numbers, so uh, press 1 if you want to join in and, and, and address what you're messaging me. If not, cool whatever um and if it you know maybe it has nothing to do with what i'm talking about so i appreciate uh you listening in either way i suppose right um as far as breaking down what's going on this weekend um like i said chris colbert turn as does josh taylor um taylor you know he's a pretty heavy favorite i i think that's fair to say Going out on the limb too much in this one, um, um, as is Colbert. Um, you know we know that Ramirez did um, get hurt, or Gutierrez, not Ramirez. Yeah, Roger Gutierrez did get um, wasn't able to to, to fight this uh, weekend. So Hector Luis uh, Garcia, a prospect, undefeated prospect, jumps in, and the lowest I see him as an underdog is plus nine hundred but it goes all the way up to plus 1,400. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then what? Taylor is a pretty big favorite, too. His opponent, Caterall, was like a plus 600 is the lowest. Otherwise, you can find it all the way up. You can actually find it all the way up to plus 900, actually plus 1,100. So... You know, this weekend, I got to admit, this weekend on paper, there's only a couple fights that are even kind of close um, as far as, you know, the betting odds and whatnot. Um, it might be the, uh, the Jordan Gill, uh, Kareem Gariffi or whatever. What's that at? G- Gar- or I can't remember how to say it. Gar- I can't remember how to say that guy's name, but let me check the odds. Um, yeah, there we go. So Gill, his opponent that I don't know if I'm saying it right. The lowest I see is actually a plus 280, but a lot of it's plus 400 and above. Um, Lawrence Akogli uh, and Michael Seislak, plus 425, plus 400 is the lowest you can get it all the way up to plus five. No, I know a like I said, he is facing a guy that, um, you know, may be able to do quote unquote something, right? Um, I don't know exactly what that'll be, to be honest with you. I don't know if he'll push him. you know what I mean? But got to give him a you know a little something here this is a it's it's a lot of people like I've only seen this guy fight twice so I can't sit there and tell you what this this guy does great you know what I mean um, but it's not the, you know it's not just a complete I mean it may turn out to be a walkover it really isn't um, I mean there's far more you know mismatches that we see uh, you know plenty of fighters. So um I believe yeah, I think he's he's like twenty one and one. Um, but you know, I do see him in a fair amount of uh you know rankings and top 10 and stuff like that. So I I think he you know, I think he'll be able to win this one fairly cleanly. Um but you never know, some of these fights it just, you know, something pops up. It's a weird style. It's an awkward style. He does have, but he does have a pretty good reach. It's not like he's completely undersized or whatever. Um, now, Akoli has a bigger one, right? But, uh, and he did, um, maybe that's actually the fight, uh Makabu. I think I saw that one. That was a decision over 12 rounds. Kalenga. Um, Maybe that's the other highlight or fight that I watched of him. He's coming off a win last May over Yuri Kachaniski. So, you know, I guess you could say, though, uh, beyond, like, Globoski, because Globoski, even though he's a a bit faded, right, um, that was probably his biggest step up, Face some other unbeaten guys uh, that you could say,
0: well that guy was unbeaten, but
1: um, so yeah I mean you know I, I definitely favor Lawrence in this one, but as do I you know with with Josh Taylor, you know um, and sometimes you know these these Taylor has a kind of a, a bad habit and I saw someone on Twitter just just earlier today say he needs to look good in this fight, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me, oops, I has got the mute. Um, he does need to look good in the fight. I mean, it's, it's not like he has to, but like there are times where he does just look okay. Like he, you know, we say this time and time again, and it seems like more and more you see fighters that it's like they need, you know, a, a better opponent to step all the way up, you know, and you just just step up their game, you know, so. It would be nice to just get a clean Josh Taylor performance. Nothing against Catterall or nothing like that, but um, you know, it, it just he should he should be on to bigger and, and better things. Obviously, this is a uh, this is a mandatory, and it was I forgot it was delayed. That's right, I almost forgot. Um, and the, the guy's unbeaten, you know. So I'm not. He's twenty six and zero. He's got thirteen KOs. Um, but you know he's like O'Hara Davies. You know he beat a few years ago uh, McKenna. I remember. I remember that fight. Um, you know. But other than that, it's like. See, this is kind of, and I'm not trying to take it all on. You know, Catterall Jack Catterall. I'm not trying to take it all on. him He's from the UK. Not trying to rip him or nothing, but how did he get a mandatory spot? And I understand, Hey, rankings and all that, you know, but it's like, I just, sometimes, you know, you just like, how did you get your ranking?
0: Uh,
1: Why, how, where, like, what, what, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, how is this a thing? Why are you in this spot? But you know what? He just came off a big, big undisputed victory over Jose Ramirez. And so, and he's faced really good comp up until this point, considering he doesn't even have that many fights, you know, um, thus far. So I don't mind the fight. You know, it sucks that it got delayed, you know, but it is what it is. That's boxing, and, you know, he can, if he takes care of business and nothing happens, he could fight later this summer. I mean, you know, it's. Soon it'll be March, right? March, April, May, June, yeah. So he could, he could maybe fit in something in the summer, maybe early fall. Who knows? But if he takes care of business quick, I'm not saying a first-round knockout, but if he just handles his business, which he should, hopefully he'll get a big fight. Like I said, I got him for the dark horse against um, Kilbrook. And some people are saying I'm crazy. And that's okay. Everybody's a little crazy, right? Um, oh yeah, Chris Colbert. Like I said, we've seen his opponent on Showbox uh, prior. You know what I mean? Um, I was kind of looking forward to getting this WBA scenario figured out. You know, I'll say that because it was like, all right, these two guys both had a WBA. Let's 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 figure it out. You know. He is coming off a nice win on Showbox over uh, Avalar. I think that that's who it is. He did, I remember, oh, I don't remember that part, though. There's a split decision. Is this a misprint? It says 11 rounds. Uh, Unisov, I do remember seeing that fight. Um, but, you know, he, he's pretty damn great. Um, but you know, he's not a bad opponent for a late filling. And and by the way, when we say late filling, there you know, for for quite some time, there have been standby opponents that'll just fight on the card, right? Like they'll be training and all that. But we did see an uptick um, after COVID hit of having like pretty good to either pretty good replacements like this or straight up really fun replacements like maybe a better fight replacement but since COVID because of you know it spreads so quick especially so this last variant we've seen more and more in this and the long story short Garcia has been training you know what I mean so it's not like he was just on the couch and the, hey uh, put the bag of chips down come on in Hector you, you gotta fight you know he was already gonna fight on this card and I do like that they do this now you know when you're younger and you're just trying to stay "quote unquote" active or whatever, it gives you an opportunity to make some money, stay in shape, and then you get a little, you know, probably a, a walkover opponent or whatever. Sometimes you'll see like, uh, like how they had Ugas on the undercard of uh, Spence and Pacquiao, right? Well, that was a perfect fill-in, obviously perfect for Ugas as well, right? So. We'll see, but I, I would have liked to seen um, I would have liked to seen that that Gutierrez fight just to get it out of the way. Be like, all right, let's see who wins this. I, I thought Chris Colbert was going to win that fight, but I think this one won't be as competitive. Not that that would have been tit for tack or whatever, but I, I just think Gutierrez a little bit more experienced. This guy, obviously, you know, and also like I said, just to get this one belt at WBA scenario figured out it would have been nice now i know that i i believe colbert actually got stripped but that's why they they made this fight to be like all right you had the interim or regular whatever the hell and we're going to make this fight and that'll crown a champion at 130 in the wba of course so um the jerwin anaconis anaconis uh he's fighting um fernando martinez or daniel martinez i don't know how which one he goes but it is fernando daniel martinez you know this has a chance to be like just action-packed speaking of as far as underdogs here's a plus 380 plus 350 so that's a little bit closer than what we've been we've been talking about and of course when i bring up odds it's just to kind of shape you know what's going on here obviously it's also the look at him and want to bet on him or give advice on it or whatever, right? But the odds are just that, right? I mean, I'm really pumped about the Gary Antoine Russell and Victor Postal fight, but when you look at his odds, it makes it look like it's a miss, not a mismatch, but, you know, I think the lowest one I'm looking at is plus 425, and that's DraftKings. So, um, you know, th- there's something to be said about odds. Not a, a be-all, end-all. Um, Yafaya the young prospect, actually fights this weekend. Oh, yeah, Rigo. I almost forgot. Rigo fights this weekend as well. Damn, I almost forgot. See, that's the thing. There is so, there is actually a fair amount of fight cards this weekend, but then all of a sudden, Vincent Astrolabio. Have I watched just highlights, or did I see an actual fight of his? But he's a plus 550, plus 600. Is Ringo going to get old in the ring? Is that what's going to happen? Because other than that, eh, you know, eh, not really sure, you know, how much of a threat he is. Um, So, yeah, I do think Jerwin will win. Obviously, I, I think I already said Colbert. So, basically, the favorites, okay? Now this Antoine Russell Victor Postal, this one like I said I am looking forward to it because I think that when you look at you know testing uh, uh, I guess you could say like a fringe it's probably a fringe uh, contender at this point I wouldn't necessarily you know 100% put him up and like oh dude he's, he's right there knocking at the door although he kind of is if catch my drift, but um, he's only got, I think, 14 fights, right? But he stopped everybody as uh, Gary Antoine Russell. Although he has some, you know, some good skills and whatnot, he definitely doesn't fight like his brother. You know what I mean? He, he's definitely a lot more aggressive. Doesn't mean, like I said, he doesn't know what he's doing or he's just ruthless and he just, you know, he'll get caught more and stuff like that, but this is a big step up because you know, this last guy, Santiago, I think it was, um, you know, like, he he just hasn't really spot a lot of top-level guys, or any top-level guys, for that matter. And that's why I say he's a fringe contender, because he's got to kind of prove himself, obviously. And, you know, Victor Postal is getting up there in age, there's no doubt about it. It's not like he's taking a bunch of beatings. Uh, He's had some really competitive fights, though, like I mentioned with Taylor. I thought, I didn't think it was a draw or anything like that, but, you know, with Josh Taylor, this is already a few years ago. I think it was 2018. Um, You know, it was was a competitive fight. I mean, I just don't know how you wouldn't say that. The only fight, like I said, that has been clear-cut has been Terrence Crawford. Crawford lost, what, the first round? He made an adjustment, and he, he boxed nicely on the outside and just never, you know, never even had a chance to barely hit his ass, you know, for the rest of the fight. Um, But that's it. I mean, he really, you know, he, he obviously, you know, uh, Postol busted on the scene with that Matisse knockout, right? Which you got to give him credit for. You could make an argument that maybe – You know, Matisse's eye wasn't that great. Especially after the... I mean, after the Danny Garcia fight, Matisse had taken plenty of punch before, before the uh, Garcia fight, by the way. Danny Garcia was, what, a a two-and-a-half? Or was it two-and-a-half point under? Maybe three, three three-to-one, two-and-a-half-to-one? I think it was three-to-one. But, um, you know, by the time he fought Matisse... And you know, to be fair, it wasn't like it was Matisse was completely washed or anything like that because he had actually I think it was more like the eye thing. Because you know, he 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 had beaten uh he had actually boxed pretty nicely against Probaktikov. It was a close fight, very close fight, but he actually showed a little bit different, you know, of a groove in that one. He actually was on the outside minorly. So, um and obviously what was Matisse last by oh yeah. Pacquiao. Forgot about that. Yeah, it was Pacquiao stoppage, if I remember correctly. Um the last time we saw him in the ring, Victor I'm speaking of was all the way back in twenty twenty. In August twenty twenty against Jose Ramirez. And that was a majority decision. Um, Dave Moretti had it a, a draw. Uh, Weisfeld had at one sixteen, one twelve, and then what is it? Che- Cheatham, Cheatham, forgot his damn name, but one fifteen, one thirteen, and that was a close fight. I mean, there are people, there are people that um, kind of thought he won the fight. Um, I didn't think he won the fight, but I thought it was very close. I thought it was like 7-5, maybe 6-5-1. So I did, you know, I did give him the fight, but Ramirez, I'm speaking of. I thought Zapata had maybe a draw or beaten Ramirez, uh, if we're going to talk about that. But I, don't, I think Ramirez beat um, Victor Postal. And I, obviously... It's funny, because right when I'm saying I must have said that earlier, too, because he's like, well, it goes. someone just messaged me saying, well, he did beat him. You can go check box rack. It's like, that's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my scorecard. Uh, of course he beat him. You know, he, he lost the fight. I said he lost the fight majority decision, right? So But there's, you know, obviously he was close. I mean, there was a scorecard that had it a draw. So I didn't think that was a horrible scorecard. But I, I thought he got by him. I did think he got by him. But as far as Gary uh, Antoine Russell, this is, he's like 20, 26 or something like that, 25. Um, this is a huge step up for him. I mean, there's just no, no way around it. And he isn't a guy that is going to box on the outside, per se. And I really want to see him against a legit guy in Victor Postal. He's been out of the ring for a while. Um but God I wanna see this fight because he does have like I think Antoine Russell's like just short of six foot. Or no, he what am I saying? That's uh, I think postal is five eleven or something like that. I think he's just short. But he's got a better reach. They're about the same height, but a reach of sixty nine compared to Victor Postal, seventy three and a half. So if he can establish that jab you know, in in that left hook, in that straight right hand following the jab, in that subtle movement, I don't expect him to move crazy because even against a guy like Matisse, he wasn't moving crazy. He was just, like, fundamentally sound, had that upright style, and um, he doesn't have a lot of power. We do know that, but you can, you know, I mean – like I said, I'm not saying he packs a punch, but he's not just a walkover, you know, and at all, right? At all. Now the layoff might affect him. It's been over, well over a year, coming on two years, right? Because that's let's see, what I say August, late August, 2020. So yeah, I mean, in like what six months or something like that. It's it could be August again. I don't even want to talk about. Um, but being here up in Minnesota, obviously, I don't we to talk about August yet. Let's get to uh, the spring. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to, you know, bet on this fight, you think that it is worth taking a flyer. Even though I'm actually going to pick Russell to win this fight, I think it's well worth an investment of, you know, like I said, let's see what the highest is. plus 505 according to five dimes. I mean, they got Victor Stall like plus 450 plus, you know, I mean, and he's, and he's getting older. I mean, this might be one of those performance where you're like, hmm, that didn't really look like the guy we knew, you know, that, that could happen, right? But and when a guy is going to try to depend on his outside skills and Timing and countering and using that jab and keeping Russell in front of them Or off of them really because Gary Russell can be very uh, He's trying to like knock you out. That's what he's trying to do and Sometimes he gets a little wide with the shots or you know, maybe a key for post would be punching and landing something in that exchange. I think that would be really key um but I do favor Russell to win by decision. Like, I wouldn't doubt it, you know, if it's a split decision or majority decision. Definitely would be surprising. You know, this fight, because, you know, draws, you generally don't, you can down $10 on a draw and make good money, right? So, a draw is good, is a decent, you know a decent bet because you don't have to put up much. But also, underdog money. I mean, why why wouldn't you put a little money at least? When you're talking plus 400, plus 450? I mean, why not? Paul Stahl is very experienced. He's been in the ring with a lot of good fighters. And uh, the only guy, like I said, to beat him 100% cleanly was Chance Crawford. And guess what? He's the second best fighter in the world. And that was a long-ass time ago, but it wasn't. It wasn't. 2016 or something like that, but yeah, I am gonna actually go with the young buck, the 25 year old Gary Antoine Russell. But don't be surprised if we get a little bit of upset or a draw, or you know, I do think I, I, I don't know, man, I just think that I think he's gonna get hit for a while cleanly coming in. But I don't see him just going like, you know, spasmode mode off the bat, trying to knock him out—the Tasmanian Devil or something like that. But because we've actually seen him recently, you know, get hit with some flush shots and be like, "Wow, dude, this is this is a real fight here," you know. And so this is ultimately a huge step up, and there's just no way around it. That's why when it got made, I was like, "Oh snap! Like this is this is definitely my favorite fight of the weekend." So, um, yeah, this is this is what it's all about: testing yourself as a prospect. What did I say? 14 and 0 with 14 KOs. Could he get a 15 KO? Sure, definitely could, but I'm not calling for it. I'm calling for Russell to finally go the distance, and that's another thing. That's another thing. You know, you get late against a legit fighter take that you know that fight late in the in the rounds it's just a different vibe like all of a sudden you're like wow I'm, I'm more tired than I ever have been you know and um I think this one's a 10 rounder so that that that's nice it's not you know 12 but how many times I'm actually gonna look just because I don't think he's made it past fourth round yeah he hasn't First round, first round, first round, second round, third round, first round, first round, second round, fourth round. Yep, that's the farthest he. Oh no, I'm sorry. His last fight he did go to the sixth. That's right. So he's never. It's a ten round fight, not a twelve. Sure, and I'm sure he's trained to go the distance. And I, you know, I would never really doubt anyone out of the rush, the, the Russia clan, the, the Russell clan because they're always in shape, they're always in the gym, they're super dedicated, all of the brothers. I mean, it's a big family, and they're in the gym constantly. Obviously, you know, they RIP to the motorcycle accident, and then his pops, you know, his diabetes started acting up, and he ended up, you know, having to amputate, uh, you know, having an amputation. So that, that's rough, you know. So they've had a rough go at it, you know, but – Like I said, I'll never doubt when I say 10 rounds, it's like actually someone just uh, messaged me saying he's going to knock him out. That could be. I mean, he's knocked everybody out. I get that. But there is something to be said about not going a full distance. Right. And then you and that's where can you find an eight or 10 rounder before you get to a guy like Stahl? Usually that's what you want. But. Obviously this opportunity came up and shots out to Victor Polstall for taking this. This dude just got done fighting. Well, not just, he got done. It was a while ago, but he, his last opponent was Jose Ramirez, who was, you know, a couple of rounds, a couple of not, 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 not knock getting knocked down when he gets knocked down twice from inside shots in that Taylor fight. Otherwise, cause that was a close fight. He could have won that fight and be on the studio at one forty, And, Postal pushed him to in that fight to a majority decision. So this is a huge step up fight. I think I said that like fifteen times now, but uh, uh, this is it, man. This is a big, big step up. Yeah, I got Russell winning. I just you could see maybe come sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round if, if that's it. Postal's still there, which I you know I think he will be. He might get gassed, especially his style dude his style is like I'm coming for you and he throws some wild shots now he's very he can be very fundamental and sound coming forward you know like I said he doesn't fight like his brother maybe he fights when his brother has someone hurt you know then he go you know that's when you'll see Gary go at it but or when he just gets super comfortable um but yeah this is a good fight man, as you can tell probably of how i breaking it down. But yeah, I got Russell Jr., or Russell, I should say. Antoine Russell to, to win this, but this is going to be a tough fight, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, oh, and by the way, that Lawrence Coley fight is Sunday. So that's actually probably going to work pretty nice for a lot of uh, us fans over here. Because obviously that is from the U.K., but I'm guessing that they'll start it earlier than they would a Friday or Saturday night event, right? I, mean, I think that's fairly obvious, right? Because you want to, you want to. I mean, that's
0: what's happened
1: even on uh, when we've had cards or or, or pay per view cards um, on a Sunday. They usually start an hour earlier. Pretty sure. What was the last Sunday fight we actually had here? Was it all the way back to like, there was some Sunday, I think there were some Sunday fights on CBS for the time buys right away, maybe on NBC too, um, oh, I think, maybe, was the, actually I think Caleb Plant and Ugatoski or whatever that guy guy's name is, I'm pretty sure that was on a Sunday, now that I think about it, but yeah, obviously that popular of a day anymore. Um, well, as far as for boxing, it's, it's Sunday and Monday are like the best times, uh, or best days for ratings, television ratings. Um, so yeah, that, it's a busy, but how many fights you know, Coley is facing a top 10 cruiser, so that's cool. Uh, maybe Garcia, Hector Garcia can uh, give Colbert, you know, a good little run for his money. Maybe Catterall will, you know, Give Taylor a run for his money. But, yeah, pull, stall, Russell. man, that is the fight. All right, so Dillian White, so we'll uh, move on to news and notes, fight news. We'll, of course, have some boxing Twitter, a boxing Twitter segment. There's a minute 40, 139, 138, 137, a minute 30 left of the live stream. So if you're in the browser, hear that 90 seconds you just said that 646-381-4990 okay I'll do it again 646-381-4990 if you're listening to the browser on blog talk that's just going to come to an end okay they only live stream for three hours and then there's an extra hour what I call the archive time and they kind of blend it all together so um yeah got it Gotta pop over 60 seconds Um, But Dillian White Did finally sign uh, In the 11th hour uh, He signed on To fight Tyson Fury So Dillian White, Tyson Fury, Wembley Stadium April 23rd ESPN Pay-per-view What is it BT pay-per-view and I actually think it's going to be available on Sky, too. Don't quote me on the I think so. I think. I think so, UK Fight fans. I'm pretty sure. Let me know about that. I'm pretty sure I, I remember hearing about that. And by the way, at least according to Bob Aram, which there's really no way or no point for him to lie about this, um, he said that it's not going to be only, it's not exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Like the uh, well, like the UFC pay-per-views are now for quite some time, and also uh, the Crawford uh, Porter fight. So, of course, you can go to ESPN Plus and buy it there, but you don't have to. So, if people aren't you know subscribers, they don't have to pay a little extra to become a subscriber just to get it on there. They on your normal cable package, iDemand or on demand or whatever, you know. So he's going to make it more available, uh, which goes in the face of what he said with the ESPN Plus platform. And this is why the the Crawford Spence fight has to be here, because we could just generate so many pay-per-views on ESPN Plus. And he was basing that off of what UFC does. Um, But even with the UFC, that whole deal is set up differently where the ESPN pays – a little extra money so the UFC will have their you know their pay-per-views only on ESPN plus I mean the whole deal is a lot more money but I'm saying like literally every pay-per-view they get so it makes up like they wouldn't have it they don't have as many pay-per-views on ESPN plus on average as they did when they were on all platforms availability that's just a fact that's already been well-reported so they actually, ESPN makes up for it and gives UFC a little bit more money or a lot more money off of it. And that was kind of the trade-off. Like, hey, if you get enough sign-ups, cool, and then we'll do that. So, And I know if you sign up, they do, don't they give you $10 off the, the pay-per-view? Because ESPN uh, or UFC on ESPN Plus just went up to $75, I think. Was it last? But anyway, um, so if you look at it, dude, we're gonna have Spence Ugas pay per view, obviously. The next weekend, um, Theory White pay per view, and then two weeks after that, we're gonna have. Is it two weeks after that? Yeah, we're gonna have Canelo, which is obviously gonna be pay per view, even if he's on the zone. You know, it's still pay per view. So, let's see here, just to make sure. I'm yep. So in a matter of three weeks, or I'm sorry, four weeks, we're gonna have three pay per views. So you really gotta, you really gotta start to be like, okay, what do I want to see? You know, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do here? You know, and maybe some folks, especially Americans, uh, especially casual fans, you know, maybe they won't be checking for that Bibble fight because they don't know who the hell he is. You know, um. All you know, I've always said both of those fight deals, the two uh Charlo Benavidez and uh which I favor because they're both at one sixty eight and then he can just maybe fight the Lovkin at sixty eight, then move up. You know, I don't I'm not a big fan of Canelo going up and down in weight. Not because I mean, I'm not running his career, Eddie Renoso is, obviously, but there is something about that bounce up and down thing. And don't get me wrong. He did it before, but he even admitted against Kovalev. And I'm sure I wouldn't doubt if there's a rehydration clause when he goes to 175 because, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that, Or maybe even a catch weight. I don't know. But when they were talking about Bivol last fall, when that Caleb Plant fight got a little postponed. It looked like the fight was off. They were talking about either catch weight or rehydration or something like that. So, but my point is Canelo said he didn't feel right at 175. He felt a little slow, didn't feel 100%. Now, given that was, you know, November 2019, so maybe he feels a lot better by now at the weight. But my point is it just like to go up to fight Bivel. Which you could make a strong argument right now where Golovkin is. Golovkin's coming up to 68. He hasn't fought any big name when he was at 68. Because I know he's fought a catchweight, I believe. I'm almost positive one of his fights was above 160 since he's been at this zone. Almost positive. I think that was the first one. Was it Stevie Rolls? Anyway. um, It just seems like stylistically Bimble's a very tough fight so you're going to go to 75 and then drop back to 68 I don't know there's just people bring up Roy Jones and that it's not that scenario Roy went all the way up to almost well basically 200 pounds then dropped back down to 175 that's a different ball game we're not talking about that however when we have seen people pop up and down eh, you know what I mean and he didn't look that great until the knockout against Kovalev and Kovalev he almost got knocked out by the jab. Like, what was that fight? Uh, was it with? Was it in August or something? Something like that. It was a summer fight. But anyway, so my point is maybe some casual fans, well, some casual fans aren't going to be fighting the Bibble fight or ordering the Bibble fight because they don't know him, like I said. Whereas, you know, Benavidez is Mexican-American. He can pump it up more here. He's undefeated. He's been on some like he was on the spence porter undercard and you know he's just a little bit more hyped and obviously charlo has been around on tv in america for a while both those guys are undefeated and the charlo name you know has just been around for a while and he actually you know did some stuff on fox just the charlos on fox in general most of those you know did uh, over two million um so and remember for a while, it took us a while to remember, okay, which one's Jermell and which one's Jamal. It was much easier once they won belts at different divisions, right? But if you're a casual, you just hear Charlo, dude. That's all you hear, you know? I mean, it's just honest. Like, I've I've talked to many, you know, last few years, um, people, you know, many a casuals of my friends that'll say,
0: Dude, that's a, so. Charlo's
1: fighting him is like no, no. that's a different Charlo, dude. That's a different Charlo, you know. And like I said, two thousand, circa two thousand, you know, thirteen, four fourteen, fifteen. We were making that mistake all the time, you know. So I don't know who is it going to be though. I don't know how I even got stuck on that. <laughs> talking about that, but yeah. Anyway, um, it was kind of funny though. When uh, did I talk about this? last week, I don't think I did, when, when uh, Canelo like, you know, quote tweeted um, Poppinger saying, dude, nothing's done. We're still negotiating. I haven't turned down this deal fully. I haven't turned down, I haven't signed. We're not in the 11th hour yet. And Eddie Hearn even was like, hold on, dude. I, I don't know. It's this is up to Canelo. Right now, he's doing exactly what Floyd did and other fighters in the past. He know, we all know when he's fighting. It's May 7th. Now, don't get me wrong. With Golden Boy and when he was on his Zone, you know, he he fought Kovalev in November, and they messed that September date up. And then this last one, he messed up the September date technically and had to fight in November. So I guess when I say he's fighting in May, he's had a long gap now, you know, from his last fight. So we assume it's May 7th right there on the table you know what i mean so my point is charlo and bibble i guess you could say are already in the gym dude they're ready and just like i said with mayweather then i'm saying the same with canelo like if you you may say oh dude it's 10 weeks out of the fight man why didn't you just pick somebody why don't you just stay in the gym it's fine like who cares like is it bugging you I mean, unless you're going to the fight, then I can see where you're like, man, get this shit announced. But, you know, May se- you could have booked May 7th last year. <laughs> I mean, next year you should book May Cinco de Mayo. It's Canelo. You know what I mean? That's how it goes. While you're at it, book the third weekend in September on a Saturday, too. And he's probably going to be fighting in Vegas. So, book that shit. You can always cancel it. Other than that, like, I don't really see... The big deal is like he's making a decision. He's taking his time. Like I said, Charlo and Bibble have made it clear they're already training, so they're not going to be affected by this. I mean, if anything, a lot of fighters learn from you know fighters in the past doing this. Like you got to be ready, dude. Too bad. Like don't don't make excuses. Don't try to say, oh, he's trying to he's trying to wait. You know, six weeks before the fight. Well, then that means you should already have a good three, four weeks of your camp going. (laughs) Because, you know, both these guys are going to fight again anyway. Like, if Charlo doesn't get the fight, what, do you think he's just going to retire? No. And say with Bibble, they're going to be wanting to fight. So, we'll see. We'll see how how that goes. But it was kind of funny. Kind of liked how uh, Canelo came out and said, dude, just, you know, stop lying. Just stop. Like, I'll announce when I announce. And uh, I really – I don't really have a sense of uh, what's going to happen, you know. I remember uh, thinking once Showtime picked up Spence Ugas when we had Jake on two weeks ago or whatever, we both kind of thought, I wonder if that's the writing on the wall. And they decided Showtime, since they're not going to get Canelo, that they're going to invest in this one instead of Fox winning it. They all bid Fox for it. But, you know, I think I read this tweet. Last week, actually, uh, Espinoza said, no nah, we we can handle both, dude. But we're trying to get both, you know. But it's up to Canelo. So everyone, just calm down, take a deep breath. You should already booked your flights. You should already booked your hotel. You know, don't get mad at Canelo for this shit, dude. Don't get it's just silly. Because about probably about seventy percent of you, well, not that much, but some of you weren't mad at Mayweather for doing this, you know." Some of you don't care that is doing it, but we're mad at Mayweather, right? That, that's what I was trying to... I think there's probably 70% of those people that, you know, let Canelo off on the hook, but then we're just destroying Floyd for it. I wasn't destroying either guy, and I'm not going to because this is how you do it, dude. He's, you know, you're, you're a professional fighter. You stay in the gym. It's May 7th. Again, I'm not even going to address some of the messages I'm getting on this right now. Um, like I said though, if any of you are on the line currently, press one and join the show. If not, cool too. Um but yeah, we'll we'll figure it out here soon. We'll we'll know. Charlo and Castano is pushed back. Castano um was citing an injury. What is it, his bicep? I think it's his bicep. So You know it sucks that it gets pushed back. When I hear biceps, and and it's only a month, maybe that's kind of like, damn. So your biceps can be good to go in a month. Like how how hurt was it? I don't know. But actually, Jake Donovan did a report on this somewhat recently, anyway, and and he said the headline reads Brian Castano bicep injury. Jermell charlo rematch postponed at least four weeks So I guess that kind of straightens out Uh, what I was saying anyway, um, so yeah And coppinger did say, you know, he's now come out and doubled down on may 7th, you know Basically like this is what he said a little while ago. He said, uh, you know Canelo has already agreed to the to the fight the two-byte deal, but um, Bibble signed the contract, but GGG hasn't agreed yet. Still trying to resolve some issues. Uh, no deal until then. So, I don't know. I really don't know. Like I said, I'm actually good. This is what he actually uh, Canelo said. I don't. He said I don't agree. I'm still negotiating. Don't lie to the people. Uh, the day everything is signed, that day, I'll let you know. For now there's nothing concrete that comes from the man himself now um, back to the Castano stuff, he complied with the WBO asking for a show cause they ordered a show cause meaning you got to show us your injury we got to see it and a lot of that had to do with uh, uh, Tim Zoo, his promoter they were they challenged it like hey you know what's up with this? they're sitting there waiting to be next you know so that's why they were kind of all over it you know they were like nah dude dude, we got to know you're serious about this um so yeah um you know it is what it is it's injuries it happens you know it was supposed to be in march then it got pushed back to april or wait 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 it was supposed to be in february then it got pushed back to march tickets were on sale and everything so i don't know the thing about this is are they going to be able to get the staples center again i don't think so now maybe i'm wrong you know maybe i'm wrong and you know right now where you look at the lakers and clippers they're not in necessarily a, a guaranteed spot for the playoffs and they both play in that you know arena that's why i'm saying that so i don't know man i mean that's what took a little while to finalize the fight because it rightfully so no, Castano didn't want to be in Houston. Hey, that's cool. Get it. But I don't know what's going to happen now. I really don't know if they're going to be able to get in Staples Center again. I doubt it. I doubt it. But who knows? Who knows? Um, and maybe you will get pushed back, you know, to June. I don't know. Who knows? We can only wait and see. Um, Oh, yeah, I mentioned part of the the topic notes here. Lou DeBella signs a partnership, a promotional partnership with uh, Probellum. So it says here, I keep Idix on the story um, from yesterday, BoxingScene.com, DeBella-Probellum form partnership to co-promote some DeBella Spiders. Not all, but some. And he says... Is some quotes from the article. I want to emphasize that this is a working relationship, a partnership. I didn't sell my company. I'm involved in all of my fighters still. or uh, Yeah, I'm involved on all of my fighters. The fighters that we're going to announce, we're working together on, in the future, will be a co- co-promotional basis. But it's nice to have people call you and tell you that they're interested in your expertise and believe that you know you could help them execute a plan and a business model but actually something I think I can work these guys are making deals all over the world he's talking about Probellum and Richard Schaefer and company these guys are making uh, deals all over the world with regional and local promoters that have TV deals in countries all over the world they're creating some uh, sort of an international syndication of promoters I don't know if that's the best word syndication is the syndicate and I don't know if you know about the alleged money allegedly money that is funding profile but I don't know if I'd say international syndication I know it says syndication it doesn't say international syndicate but uh yeah syndicate of promoters including some of my friends yada 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 so they're going, to have, they're going to have access to a lot of content, and they're well-capitalized. All of this stuff is appealing to me, and in this marketplace where you have exclusive TV deals and often promoters build up an asset and have no place to bring them, someone coming into the marketplace with a global strategy and willingness to work with other people but not swallow them up or put them out to business is really appealing, and that part I do fully get. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, and we'll see exactly, you know, what this all plays out. This whole company, I mean, they have signed a bunch of decent fighters. They've had, they have some good, you know, they have no need or They have, uh, Regis Prograde. They have some, they just, they just signed and the Edwards, they do have some top-level boxers. Um, and then they just got some okay boxers, you know, whatever, world-level, kind of, you know, that type of thing. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Like I said, what, what Pro Bellum is able to accomplish, and where is going to go, you know, because like I said, it's alleged that the money, you know, is coming from a spot that isn't necessarily on the up and up. Right. And allegedly it is kind of funny how, uh, you know, Lewis, you know, talks about corruption in the sport and it's like, yeah, man, there is a lot of corruption in the sport. Um, you know, this, this allegedly might be one place where it is, uh, extra. Um, this Is this Schaefer's, uh, yeah, I think this is Schaefer's quotes. Um, these are former relationships where we support these promoters. We don't want to push them out. We don't want to buy their business. No, we want to work with them, and, and we co-promote some fighters they have. With Lou, this is an extension of that. Obviously, we're not going to ignore the two biggest markets for boxing, the U.S. market and the U.K. market. So we had conversations with Lou for a while. And uh, we had ongoing conversations with other promoters in the U.S., and we want to work together with and build these strategic relationships. So all in all, it goes on to list, you know, some of the the Gatkambosas and Butiev and Comey and Conwell and, you know, uh, other fighters, obviously. Um, So, yeah, good for him. That's for sure. He's definitely been looking to uh, score some kind of deal. This will help them. This will help them, no doubt. But, yeah, I wonder what – I got to say, like, so far, it's hard to judge Probellum just yet because they just got started. You know, what's their ultimate end game? What are they really thinking about in the short and long term? You can debate that um, because it's definitely debatable. But I really don't know. I mean – Right now, I'm not impressed with the cards that they have on the schedule. But like I said, uh, like Regis Progre hasn't fought in a while, so they're just trying to get them out. You know, it sounds like they want to try to keep guys active. You know, that's a positive thing. Um, they're clearly trying to build, a, build up Dubai in the Middle East in general. I mean, that's clear as day. Um, and at some point, that was going to happen anyway. it Right. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, I'm, I can't, beyond what I kind of just judged them on potentially, I can't really judge them on the quality of content just yet, because or the content in general, because they're just starting out. So I'm not going to be one of these podcasts and just either uh, sit there and just kiss their ass for no reason, you know, um, because there's a lot of quotes and talks. That type of thing but until you put good events on then that's all that really matters you know well I mean <laughs> that's not all that really matters right uh, some of the alleged stuff matters too but in general I got to see what cards are going to do I got to see you know are they just keeping guys active are they I don't know you know what I mean so we'll see we're not going to get too crazy in, 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 in just because they said something that's like, oh, yeah, dude, you know, this is, what, this is what we're talking about, bro. This is what boxing needs, and they're, they're here for boxing, you know, and they just care about boxing, man. They don't care about stuff. They just care about the fighters and the fans, and, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if that's the case because a, a lot of people say they care. Um, Jake Donovan actually broke a story or at least reported on a story. This is his tweet, damning allegations against three-division and reigning WBA Bantamweight Titleist, John Casemiro. And I think that we talked about this last week a little bit, but he did flee the Philippines. And I actually saw it on a scroll, on an ESPN scroll, um, some form of abuse to a minor, and he dipped. He's obviously wanted. So... I don't know. Is he going to escape the divide? No, I'm, 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 I'm just kidding. No, but hopefully, you know, they get that. Yeah, if that's true, that's some crazy shit. So, um, yeah, there's that, which is uh, pretty, you know, pretty bad, pretty disgusting. Uh, if it's true, allegedly. Uh, de La Hoya, Aung Gilbert Ramirez, Joseph Diaz triple header around Cinco de Mayo. When I hear... That Munguia is going to fight in in Cinco, de, you know, on Cinco de Mayo, or maybe right before it. I actually didn't read the article yet. Uh, first of all, you know, to have JoJo Diaz, Gilberto Ramirez, and Munguia—that for a triple header, if you do the fights right, that's pretty positive. That could be a really good card. Um, you know, I don't know where they're actually thinking about doing it. I want to say they said, uh, I, th- I think they said that California, pretty sure. Let me let me check really quick. Maybe I'm wrong. This is actually on the uh, BoxingScene.com right now. Oh, it would be before or after Cinco de Mayo. Okay. We know that, you know, for Canelo, obviously. Okay. Basically, you know, I mean, they could maybe do Friday if they do it in California. Um, I don't know. But, you know, that fight or those that card, it really just comes down to how good the fights are. You know what I mean? Now, I just mentioned Munguia does have, um, you know, a potential opponent. That would be a nice step-up for him, especially at middleweight. So that guy's not really overly proven, but it it would put him in a good spot. Uh, But either way, like I said, he's got to step up against somebody. And since you just fought like a really a no-hope fight, got out of there in three rounds, then you probably will be all ready to go and be nice and sharp for May. So Uh, that works. You know, that works for me, no doubt about it. So we'll see, you know, exactly what kind of, uh, I mean, that's perfect. Like Gilberto needs to step up too. Like I mentioned earlier, and we've been talking about for a while. Um, I mean, he had that faded step up against Abraham years ago. hit by Jesse Hart and all that, but he's now at 175, right? Yeah, he's at 175. So it's time for him to get a big fight. I mean, he's had so many fights that it's like, dude, I'm not saying they're going to have the biggest fight he's ever had on this card, but it would be nice, you know. And I don't know. JoJo's coming off a loss, so he'll probably just fight a quality fight, you know. But JoJo usually doesn't do a you know a bunch of pushovers or whatever. He's not really in the pushover mode. Uh, but who knows? So on on paper, that triple header with those names sounds good. Let's see who they're fighting. But it sounds like a good card from Golden Boy and Oscar. Um, do did, did, did this is according to Jake Donovan um, earlier today, I think, or last night. WBO will proceed with the first bid hearing for Demetrius Andrade and Zach Parker for the interim super middleweight title fight. Hearing takes place tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. Andrade is entitled to a greater end of the split 65-35 because he was already champ at uh, the WBO, obviously at 160. Well, technically, uh, was that WBO at uh, 54 as well? Anyway, um, so it's kind of funky, you know, that they they weren't able to come to terms. But then again, they know, you know, Parker's side, they they know that Andre makes some money. So think about it on a smaller scale given. But remember... Remember when uh, Derevchenko first tried to get the Canelo fight for that IBF belt, and uh, because he knew if it went the purse bid, I would get like five million because they knew what you know Canelo makes, and even with Golovkin, they ended up getting like four, four and a half. I don't know if they got the five, but they ended up getting a lot of money because it's a purse bid. And if if somebody, if you got to pay your fighter a lot of money, then that's how purse bids work, you know. So, you know, it was uh I mean, it doesn't always work that way, it just as Dillian White, right? But on average, sixty five thirty five, you know, if he makes two to three million a fight, that's a that's a good chunk of change that they probably didn't want to just break off to a parker. You know, like what do you mean you're gonna get that kind of money? Well now they're, it seems like unless something's you know something's finished, uh, by tomorrow they're gonna have that person. So, you know, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Do do do. Oh, here's Al Bernstein, who's calling the fight between uh, Russell and Postal. He said, big step up in competition for Russell. Gary's powerful and a good technician, which that's very true, but Postal is a world-class ex-champion. Question is, at age 38, I thought he was 36, 38, could he be effective like that? And he's also coming off a career high, or career long layoff too. I thought that was close to that, you know. So that obviously, you know, plays uh, plays the part. Definitely plays the part, man. We'll uh, we'll see. We will see. Um, what else we got? For Oh, um, well, it's not really news, but Crawford was saying, uh, if I can't get the Spence-Ugas winner, I'd love to take on the the Charlo Castaño so he can go undis- undisputed at 154. Um, that sounds good. Sounds phenomenal. But, like, I would still cone it. First of all, you're going to be lineal regardless. Whoever wins that fight is going to be lineal. So that's good enough for me. But it wouldn't be an undisputed fight technically, which, like I said, lineal means more than undisputed. It just does. So my point is, I mean, Tim Zuz is sitting there waiting for a shot. Um and he's due next like there there's a couple of they they're kind of they have a couple of fights so Lubin and uh, isn't Lubin and Fundora fighting too and that's supposed to be for the WBC To make a mandatory now when you make mandatories, I say this a thousand times If you become a mandatory you still got to be called the mandatory not just well He is the mandatory, but you have to call it and say all right Basically these first bit scenarios, right? Like hey You can work on it. Here's the here's the time frame. Here's 30 days. You know what I mean? So My point is it wouldn't be for undisputed But it would be for lineal So if 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 he were able to get that fight, that would be phenomenal I personally don't see that You know, I, I don't see that at all But you never know that would be awesome. You know what I mean? That would be sweet though. That would be phenomenal by the way the scorecards for that Linares abdulia fight, uh, Linares was up, and I had him up too. After eleven rounds, one hundred six, one hundred three, one hundred seven, one hundred two, and then the other scorecard was one hundred six, one hundred three, because remember they, you know, they never went back to the fight. So, um, oh yeah, did we talk about this about um, Ryan Garcia? Uh, you know in his split from Reynoso, I think we did he, he got a little bit more detailed a couple of days ago And uh, BoxingScene.com Wrote an article about uh, you know, he opened up about the split. He said he didn't have time to work 100% And so here's some quotes Eddie didn't have the time to work 100% with me He's a very busy trainer and I understand Sometimes you have to make your change for the better. It's nothing against him. He's a good trainer. I won five fights with him all by knockout, so there's nothing wrong. I'm going to another level, and I need a full-on 100% trainer. It was never bad blood. It was about dedication and time, you know? It's amazing. Joe was a very dedicated trainer, 24-7, watching all my mistakes, blah, 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 blah. I saw a picture of them do shopping, so they're going to get along great, Uh, He said, it's amazing. Joe is very dedicated, blah, 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 blah. Uh, You know, I'm dedicated. I'm always ready to train. I train from pretty much 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night, yada, yada, yada. So he's basically saying, and if you look at the schedule coming up for Eddie, it is jam-packed. I mean, there's just no way around it. But is this the cop-out, you know? Is this the cop-out? It just kind of making it up, or does you know, does he have some some points here? Uh, I mean, you know,
0: it is what it is.
1: Um, what did he say? Okay, this is a quote from uh, Kel Brook. I've had a fantastic career. Over to America beat Sean Porter for the IBF title. Been in with GGG Spence Crawford. Uh, but this is the icing on uh, the cake for me. I can leave. I can, obviously, the con I can live in peace with myself, but sit down with my family, see if uh if we want to carry on. This is what Eubank had to say to Kel Brook. He's proven tonight that he still has some spice. Now I wanna see how spicy he can get with me because I'm not a mere con. We have history. He's the reason I didn't fight Golovkin. I never forgive him for that. Well why don't you just take the fight, dog? you know. Um I think that's it. By the way um, Portland 503 oh three. I'm ha- My switchboard just froze up So I can't even unmute. I can't do anything. I think I'm still on I haven't nobody's text me saying That they can't hear me or anything like that. But right now I'm gonna there's 23 minutes left of the live stream I've been refreshing it. I've asked for help from block talk. So I'm hoping to get you on here. I believe I can get you on, but um, if you are trying to get in, um, you know. Okay, you know what? I just saw your text before. My bad. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, that works out pretty good then um, because sometimes it's just – we'll see. Um, yeah, I think that's – okay. so here's some some tweets here boxing Twitter segment, a little bit of fight news or quotes or whatever. People don't even know, but if Amir Khan didn't win a medal at the Olympics at 17, they were going to stop funding boxing in the UK. He's basically the reason AJ, et cetera, all came through the system. It's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. I'd like to see Brooke fight Boots Ennis. would be the biggest test of his career for for Ennis and a chance to show him he really is the next big thing. It would also have a chance for Brooke to revive his career and show he's still got it. A win over Boots would get him another title shot. Win-win situation equals good fight. Make it happen. Like, I'm not saying it'd be a great fight for Ennis, but, I mean, money-wise, there's way more money in the Connor Ben, Eubank Jr., or even Josh Taylor, the one that people think I'm, crazy for mentioning. I mean, Amir Khan or Danny Jacobs, who should get into the Hall of Fame? Is that a serious? Someone just messaged me that. Is that serious? Danny Jacobs or uh, Amir Khan? Yeah, neither of them. Neither of them can get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I can't say they they can't get in, because you, know, you can go there and, and pay your fee and get in, but Engadi uh, got in, we know all that, but no, Amir Khan or Danny Jacobs, like them both for different reasons. Quality fighters, fought a lot of great talent, but no, uh, you're not in the. You're, you're just not in. You're, you're you're just not in. Um, just just bottom line, man. Oh shit! <laughs> this is a box. This is a Twitter. This is a well, not really combat sports because wrestling's not. But look, this is. This is Twitter to a T, and so I'm putting in the boxing Twitter, it's wrestling, but it's it just shows you how fucked up people are sometimes on Twitter. So they're commenting on a video from Russ Talker NFL from a wrestler that doesn't have any legs. Now, on my wrestling team in high school, RIP to this, uh, this guy, but he... Had an accident in the summer. And he had his uh, leg amputated. And he was also a linebacker, a damn good one for the football team. And it was really tough to watch him, you know, wrestle. bandage in wrestling to having no legs. This is what this fucking guy tweeted. Huge, huge, not just an advantage, people. Huge advantage. Are you fucking out of your mind? This shit... You know, when he gets to this level, it actually makes me mad more than laugh. This guy says it's a huge advantage to have no legs. Almost impossible to lose. We're talking about wrestling. Hardest thing in wrestling is defending a single and double leg takedown. Amazing kid can't discredit his heart and inspiration, but it's an advantage in scoring. You mean to tell me you think it's an advantage to have no legs in wrestling? Because, well, you can't take them down. Do you understand the word leverage? Do you, do you know what that means? Google that. Because, like, dude, really? You're telling me that having no legs is better than having two legs. And if you look at a wrestler's legs, on average, they're like two fucking tree trunks. It's like farm boys. That's what wrestling is a lot of times. Stocky brick shit houses is what we call them in the Midwest. This motherfucker said not just an advantage, a huge advantage. I mean, you don't have a, a leg to take down. It's like, yeah, but you can override him with, with power. And don't get me wrong, you know, you do your upper body gets a lot stronger. I understand all that, but you can't tell me that having no legs is an advantage, a huge advantage. Like, come stop, dude. Stop it. Just stop it. Um, Taylor. It's a bit like 2008-2009 Frotch and not really having any public profile despite being our best fighter. I'm sure it'll change once Sky gives him the usual push and once he has a few more decent or defining decent, defining scraps. So he is on Sky. So I'm not that crazy to think that Kell I mean Kelbrook Brook just did business with Sky. Right? No, it doesn't mean he can't do business with the zone and natural or anyone else for that matter. Cause I don't, I don't believe he's this guy. Uh, maybe I'm wrong with that. I could be wrong with that, but you know, I mean, Josh Taylor would do, you know, that would be a big fight. That'd be a huge fight. Eubank junior. And like I said, Connor, but I get it, but it's not that crazy. It's really, it's really not that crazy. Um, Oh, yeah, Golovkin and Ward, it's probably Golovkin's manager or somebody else that was going at it today, you know, on just stupid stuff, just going back and forth, uh, you know. I think it started out – someone asked uh, – because it was – by the way, happy birthday, Andre Ward. Um, Someone asked him, hey, is there any fights that you wanted that didn't happen before you retired, right? And he said the Frotch rematch rematch in the UK, when he looks at it now, he says that, probably he looks back at it and go, that'd be fun to fight in front of that crowd. I don't think it'd change anything in the ring. At least on the scorecards that would be up on the up and up. I think we saw what would happen in that fight the first time. It didn't necessarily warrant a rematch because it was a pretty basic, easy win. But he said, Frotch rematched in the UK. Golovkin, he turned down in less than five minutes. And Joshua, but I retired. And Golovkin said, Andre, stop lying to the fans. Your team made an offer I after I announced the fight with Lemieux and sold out MSG. You are still angry since you never sold tickets like me. And he, HBO knew you used the offer Publicly to move to 175, and Ward said, "I have the receipt, uh, receipts. Stop playing. Kind of going back and forth, yada yada yada." Um, and you know, they, they had that clip of Golovkin saying, you know, Andre Ward is Andre Ward is Andre Ward. I'm I'm Golovkin. You know, like basically saying he's too much. It's it's too high a weight class, is what it sounds like. Um, and he said, "Little G, come on, man, stop it!" Because someone, <laughs> someone linked that little video of him saying that. And he said, "My English is better. My English is better. Your better. Your memory is getting worse." Okay, so yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to really talk too much about that. Um, but that, I know that the talks on that were that it had to be at a catch weight. So he was willing to take on Chavez Jr. at 168, but it had to be a, a 164 catch weight, is, is what I recall on that. Um, and remember, the only reason why I bring it up, actually someone sent me this. This is July 8, 2015. GGG is now clearly the A-side. This is Dan Raphael, ESPN senior writer at the time. GGG is now clearly the A-side, yet Ward would dictate terms, which makes no sense. That's what uh, Loffer said, Tom Loffler. Loffler. Uh, GGG would fight Ward on a 50-50 basis, the best 160-pounder versus the best 168, but at 164. So, and he says, but it seems like Ward needs more tune-ups. So that's where Tom coming in saying, well, you know, you already announced it. You you said that after we announced it, but hold well, on. You're saying that he wanted more tune-ups. So which which one is it? It's always been a little weird thing. And, you know, I get the catchweight thing because that's a tough ass fight. But remember, remember, okay, that they're the ones who said, I'm talking about Golovkin's team, one fifty four to one sixty eight or whatever the hell. Some people say 175, then it went back to 168. Either way, they said, hey, anyone can get it from 54 to 68. Anyone can get it, but we're going to do a catchweight. You know, that, I mean, that's the business. I get it, but let's not act like, you know, anyway, let's stop talking about that. This was a little while ago, but the WBO had officially ordered George Camposis to defend his WBA, WBC, IBF, and WBO titles against Vasily Lomachenko according to Eddie Hearn who said he's still trying to make the you know make the Devin Haney fight and I last week uh, whatever you know Devin Haney Devin Haney uh, when it said because we talked about this barely but uh, over a Coppinger tweet the smart play takes short money now if you if you have to, then get paid after you're the guy. That's what he said about Lomachenko. And Devin Haney said, "Whatever he's taking, I'll take the same offer." You know. Um, but I did actually hear now that actually, I think. Where is that? I think there's a tweet here that is kind of telling when it comes to these type of fights. Oh yeah, here we go. Eddie Hearn has revealed that the zone are now working as an intermediary intermediator between himself and Lou Bella to try to make the George Cambosa's Devin Haney next. He said that they've had good. They've had a good week of talks with offers going back and forth. So once again, Eddie, is in need of DAZN coming between Eddie and some, him trying to negotiate a fight with somebody. It's like people are saying, I want to talk to DAZN. Let's talk to the people that got the money. You, you got the money, but let's let's talk to people above you, basically. Um, and remember, this is what happened with uh, the AJ and Wilder. They had to take a meeting with the president at that time or whatever he was. Um, and that meeting obviously didn't go that well. But – because remember, they didn't – the money was great potentially, but divulged what A.J. was making. And they were just giving away money, you know.
0: It's, it's crazy.
1: But anyway, um, that's kind of funny. But, hey, anything to get the, the fight made, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down for it. Uh, Hearn has to make the zone understand if Matchroom lose out on Haney, they could say goodbye to being taken serious in the U.S. market. This is the truth. You have, He has to pull off that Haney fight. And obviously, some of this comes down to if Canelo's going to take, you know, as far as money, some of it comes down to Canelo, too. Let's not forget about that. Because... I remember him talking about that last year, you know, and him saying, well, Canelo signs this two-fight deal, and it was a one-fight deal back then, that now we'll get more earmarked money for our full budget, whether that's the full year or quarters or whatever. So I'm sure that plays into it, you know. Um, You can't underestimate that. All right, Daniel Kinahan's Web of Boxing Operatives, can do his bidding in the sport grows ever larger that's Al Dawson Al Dawson sport yeah that, that's that's about right that is about right okay so I have okay two more actually someone's been repeating this okay so so this person messaged me saying we all know that PBC and Fox are gonna be done right last year it was said that they're going to be done, but they had a one-year uh, kicker in the contract, right? And Fox obviously took that kicker. Now, does that mean they're negotiating for a new deal? I have no clue. I'm not going to act like I do, okay? I could see that maybe. I could see it the other way too. But I remember, I think it was last year as well, um, that somebody was it glazier or somebody somebody a handful of reporters quote unquote not really but uh said that they're not gonna do they're not gonna re-up the fox deal but they're gonna get a deal with cbs and i was like oh my god that, you know first of all i don't i don't believe that to be true on just straight up cbs because cbs is actually as far as shows and all that um College football, college basketball, blah blah blah. They have, you know, they have a huge uh, platform. They're the number one network um, out of the Big Four, CBS, and they have, you know, March Madness for college basketball coming up. They have the Masters, blah blah blah. But someone said, "Oh, it'll be CBS," and I can't see CBS giving away that many primetime Saturdays. Now, maybe in the summer or something. What I do know is CBS has CBS Sports Network which is even uh, in, in lesser homes than FS1, that's for sure. It's more on the level of FS2, actually. Um, so would it be a combination of a little bit of CBS and CBS Sports Network? And because they are tied, CBS is tied, obviously, to show you know Showtime. Um, I mean, that could be, you know, I don't know. I, I guess that would have my, – my, my guess, if it's CBS, it would have to be a good chunk of it on CBS Sports Network. But one thing I did say to this person, if they really want to, if they're really trying to know about it, if they're just trying to shit on the PBC, I'm not sure. But what I ultimately, or not ultimately, but when this story came out, the first thing I said is Paramount Plus. Could they be moving, you know, if they're going to CBS or, you know, whatever, Viacom, CBS, whatever, if they're going over there, then would it be CBS Sports Network? And, and, and Paramount, you know, could could that, could Showtime, because you assume show Showtime's going to continue, well, there's continuing to work to, with the PBC right now. They only had a, a three-year deal. We haven't heard of a new announced deal with Showtime yet. But remember, they had a three-year deal. At least that's what was reported. So right now, we haven't heard of a new deal, yet clearly they're in the PBC business. I mean they 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 you know they Charlo if if Canelo wants the Charlo fight it sounds like they're going to do that one. I don't know that for a fact but it sounds like it. But they for sure are doing the Spence Ugas. They've had the best, you know, one of the best schedules yet so far. But uh but so we don't we don't know if they're about to announce a new deal and like I said the first thing when they said that PPC is not when multiple people were talking about and they're not really all reporters. But when they said, you know, it's CBS, that kind of threw me for a loop. And, hey, I'm all for it. Fuck, that'd be great, but I just don't see them giving in them a bunch of CBS dates. They had two prime time CBS fights. Both of them did really good, and they still didn't get any kind of, all right, we're going to do one a year or nothing like that, you know. But I brought up Paramount Plus because, once again, much like ESPN Plus, that it. It's a way to get subscribers on it, right? Sign-ups and stuff. Now, if you look at what the bundle did, and obviously it's a different bundle, but ESPN Plus got helped out majorly from bundling, right? Well, you know, they've had the Paramount Plus and Showtime bundle. There's a bundle in safe starting at 12 bucks Right now, you can, you can have the, the bundle, Paramount Plus and Showtime. if you're paying 8 or 10 or 12 or 11 or 15 whatever you're paying for Showtime right now you could just like if you don't have cable Right. Well, even if you have cable and you just drop your Showtime for 12 bucks, you can get Paramount Plus Plus. could that be something that they're going to parlay into the PBC deal and that's why I brought up Paramount plus I think this was last year I don't even know what time of year it was, but I just remember like Glazier was the first one to start talking about how last year was the last year of the PBC on Fox deal, and as we know, like I said, they did use the extension kicker, but we don't we don't really know where that deal lands or if it's ever going to come back again or if it's not going to be meaningful at all. We don't really know I mean that the writing. A lot of people think that, that's for sure. But, you know, I, I always say, late 2018, people thought, oh, they're done. And then they got a network deal. So I don't know. But if they somehow parlayed this into the Paramount stream, and I think it's like 15 bucks for commercials, it's 12 bucks. If they could get a good chunk of these fights happening on normal Fox and they put them on Paramount, and this is just me talking. Okay, because someone asked me a question. I mean, it'd be funny to see how people would react to that. So that would mean without Fox, obviously it's less pay-per-view. Showtime's going to continue to do pay-per-views. But if they don't have Fox and they did sign this Showtime Paramount deal, as a hardcore fight fan, I would love it because then it's less pay-per-views. Now, You can always make the argument that the exposure won't be as big. That's obvious, right? Like how much on paramount plus would they advertise when fights come up? When I go on ESPN plus, they're not really advertising that much. You know what I mean? But as a hardcore fight fan where I never even thought I'd see boxing on normal TV again. And we have in the last, since 2015, basically like, you know, normally, um, that would be crazy if it went if most of their fights were on just Showtime, maybe CBS Sports Network, I don't know, but on Paramount. That would be Paramount Plus. That would be crazy and I really want to see how the folks out there that just hate on the PBC regardless and they've had extra fuel because of these pay-per-views, right? Look at the pay-per-views this year, right? The the the, the Thurman um, you know, that pay-per-view was like what? them again in barrios you know but what would they say if that's what it turned into and, and you just got to pay 12 bucks a month you know that'd be crazy that'd be phenomenal for a hardcore fight fan um and it would cut down on pay-per-views but like i said i'm just talking i don't know anything for a fact i don't I'm, I'm being honest a lot of people won't be honest and they'll say oh you know this person told me that person told me i don't know I assume that Showtime can't take the whole roster of the PBC. That's just my assumption. I don't think they have enough dates for that. That'd be my assumption. Anyway, let's get out of here. You guys enjoy the fights. There's a bunch of them. Let's hope, you know, on these weekends sometimes when it doesn't look like there's going to be much in the way of great fights, let's hope that it's just not that uh, Antoine Russell – Victor Postol fight that pops up. Let's hope a bunch of them. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now when because you fight, let's say you fight four or five years, of straight survival, the bullsever, the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what? that means. it. what I deserve.